everyone, and welcome to Tabletop Explicates. This is a fan cast for Easy Allies' Tabletop Escapades. Tabletop Escapades is the property of Easy Allies. We're just a scattering of bards that love it a lot. In the party this week, we have Kit, F.A., and Noah. Hi. I really like bards. I'm happy to be here. Who doesn't love a good bard? People and who are dumb. This past couple weeks have been a blessing of bards, if you could call it that. What is the collective term for a group of bards? Bards. Is it an ensemble? <laughs> an ensemble of bards? I think it would bards? be an ensemble or a band. A band I of mean, bards does sound good, but sense. also like you get a band of adventurers, so it's not right. that specific. Yeah. Ensemble makes sense. What do you call... Okay, I'm not going to finish the sentence. It's fine. <laughs> nope. Now you're starting. You can't not finish the sentence. Oh, I gotta know now. Like, 99% of bards are gay. I was going to say, what do you call a bunch of gays? But... Well... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I mean... Us? Is that what you call us? a bunch of gays? Uh, moving on. Moving on. Um... So, it's been a while, but that's okay. We've all been really busy. Things have been hectic. But we just had to talk about the last two episodes. Oh my goodness. Which have been... Chaotic? I don't say, I don't say this lightly, because I've seen every single episode of season one of Tabletop Escapades and season two so far, pretty much on the day of release, unless in dire circumstance. I think... We might have, I mean, these might have been the best episodes. I have a lot of favorite episodes, but these might, like, genuinely just, like, objectively, they might be the best. No offense, but they might be the best. It depends on what you're looking for in your criteria of best. As, like, you know, technical following the rules of D&D, these are the worst episodes. No, no, no. That's but they're never, magical. That's never a classification we use. No, not, not we us. Never, we never but... want rules. Not um, us, but, I mean, you know, like, depends on... lore episodes, like, serious episodes that get me emotional. Of course I have mm-hmm. other ones that I would pick. I'm still but very fond this... of that that episode very yeah. early on where um, Nicator tried to catch a cat, rolled a natural 20, and got covered in them. But, that's you know, good. that's a long time ago now. I miss Nicator. I know yeah, you I do. I miss Nicator. He was a good boy. But, I mean, bird who cough, can though? really complain about Birdcough? Birdcough is a magical boy. So if you've been under a rock, <laughs> for some reason listening to this podcast without actually watching the latest tabletops. Go watch the latest Brad tabletops. Ellis <laughs> did something on the like on the chaos scale. It's like hogger level chaos scale. Um basically was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna roll to see where I teleport me and Pomper because I don't fuck it. I'm I'm an idiot. Birdcough's an idiot, so he would probably teleport to somewhere wrong, but maybe not. So I'm gonna roll. Obviously, the roll went and favored the side of chaos, of course. 
and Bird Cough and Popper teleported. And oh man, Ben's reaction to this was just <laughs> so classic. But Brad's like, yeah, uh, we're teleporting to my old magic school. Here's what the old magic school is and uh, how it works. And uh, I mean, you could stop me if you want, but like, here's like all the house. Like, let's just hash this out right now. This is what it is. And Ben's like, I mean, oh, I mean, okay. I would love Which, like uh, a Ben internal monologue during those two episodes <laughs> so much. Like, we need like a director's commentary. We do. I feel like ninety nine percent of like Ben's monologue would just be like, okay, well we're doing this, this now, now, I guess. <laughs> yep. And I think. It definitely plays, I mean, it definitely shows the strengths of Ben as a DM to be able to just take that and run so well with it and not be, like, angry, like, no, you can't just do that. You can't just drop that on me when, you know, I didn't know this about your backstory. You should have told me and maybe we could have gone there once and seen it. But just to be like, yeah, okay, let's go. Let's do it. So what do you want? And I think that's definitely a big part of why Ben is such a great DM. He, you know, plays to what the character, the the players want. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, I was talking to Ben at the meetup about D&D and about DMing. And he said that, like, the most important thing is to make sure that your players are having fun. Because that's what it's all about in the end. And I just thought that that's absolutely... And so many DMs kind of forget that and are just so wrapped up in their own story that they want to tell but it's like if you want to just tell a story and not have it interactive just write a book right okay Faye call out all right that's no fine. I'm just kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding <laughs> I do have a tendency to railroad sometimes I, I was not best. talking sometimes about you not. or any dms oh, I've ever played <laughs> with I was just gonna say I feel like every dm feels like that where no matter what they say or do yeah they think that their players are gonna think that about them. Listen, sometimes you just need to set things up. And you yeah, no, I mean... Ruin it. <laughs> we played, what, three times, Noah? Yeah, we yeah. We haven't got this past is, the setting fine. up stage. <laughs> I never, wasn't never talking mind. about you. <laughs> We're not talking about me. We are talking about tabletop. We are. So, the first episode is basically a back and forth between Pomper and Birdcough discovering this all new setting that they're making up on the fly and having Fiascronauts style NPCs played by the players just kind of interjecting and, and making it work and making it weird and different and, and better. Like, I think it, it's better than if Ben had to, like, play all the NPCs at once and, and think of new things, like, ha including them was, I think, a really great choice. I mean, I guess it wasn't a choice. They kind of just, just did, did it. it. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, the other side story, I guess now it's a side story of <laughs> Billy and, and Therese just being like, where the fuck did they go? And having to deal with, you know, what's actually happening. And then the, uh, the most recent episode was all Black Pot. I guess I didn't explain that it's called Black Pot Academy. And Black it's Birdcop's old bard school. It's basically bard, bard school Hogwarts, but more chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really just Hogwarts and you know I'm all about that one. I am so all in on Hogwarts when are we gonna make our all our D&D characters that go to Blackpot Academy I already, I already have, have one 
<laughs> this is my black pot OC. <laughs> we can discuss this. <laughs> I definitely do kind of want to talk about that the plot that ensued of Birdcough just really wanting an accordion and wanting Pomper to get a musical instrument. And then them finding out that Pomper is, is the chosen a one. Very special prophesied chosen one, as usual, main character. Usual. That's kind of his deal. Um, I I really enjoyed that. That's still going. That's carrying on. Pomper will never be free of the Pomper. main character role. Oh, That's no. just him oh, forever no. now. I think you need a good like main character. It's so wild to but, me that now Therese is the only of the original four left. Yeah, that is weird. You're right. It just I occurred to it, me though. then, like that hadn't actually occurred because to if me. If Therese ever dies or leaves, I don't know if I'll keep watching the show. I mean, mood, but also I, mean, I will. If Therese dies or leaves, then that means Ian gets to make a new character. I mean, yeah, true. Therese. But I'm very attached to, to, to Therese Brightwood. If it's done right, if, you know, her character gets a good amount of closure in her arc mm, and absolutely. In finding out her destiny and all of this stuff that has never come up after, you know, the middle of last season, we will never know what the fuck the father is if this keeps on. You know, if, if, if her arc ends with something like that, if it has to end then I would love, uh, you know, the closure that it would give me. Yeah, for personally. sure. If we get Therese Brightwood closure, I'll be fine with it. But if she yeah. dies in some ridiculous accident, falling off a bridge, like she nearly yeah, did last season, I, I will not forgive anyone. <laughs> yep, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, but all that aside, I mean, I think it's... I don't know. I think the last two episodes have been a sort of turning point for tabletop escapades. I think I would liken it to maybe like early Adventure Zone episodes. Adventure Zone is a different D&D podcast um, that shares a lot of those fast and loose improvisational moments. Um, I think when it turned and when they realized, oh, we can all be these NPCs and we can all contribute our own ideas to this. And it doesn't just have to be Ben telling us where to go and, and us, you know, ruining that. <laughs> um, I think that I think that style of like collaborative storytelling and collaborative world building will really positively impact the show from from now on when everyone gets a little more confident to like bring in elements of their own characters' pasts and try for, you know, a more personal focus. I think last season when Nick, when Brad um, invented the Black Rose for Nicator and was like, that's what I'm doing, that's what my character would do, I think that was also a really important turning point when they realized, you know, their characters had a bit more depth than just, you know, their classes and their races. Yeah, for sure. And I'm very excited as to you know, what happens with that, and if Ben, you know, gives them, like, more freedom to do that and to um, add their own ideas into the campaign, I think it will develop swimmingly. 
you are very right. I'm just stuck on the fact that Bumper has his arm and leg back. I'm so happy. Uh, me too. And, uh, the way it happened was just... Ridiculous. Yeah, it's a simple spell. Anybody can do this. And Pomper's just like, oh. Oh. Because <laughs> never mind. Uh, and he's got his dragonborn arm. Me. What? Like a love six spell? And Pomper he can could have it. As a cleric? <laughs> he's like, the way clerics work, you know all your spells. Yeah. You just prepare them differently, like every long rest. He could legit have done it himself at any point. <laughs> he could have done it himself. Forever. Dear God. Oh, dear well, Lord. He's a he's a young naive boy. Oh, is he I'm though? very happy. He has his limbs back. Me too. I think it kind of made a lot of things more difficult. <laughs> yeah. Not just like not just the character, but like the campaign. It was like, well, Pomper can't do that. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't have a fucking leg. It's like, oh, let's go into so battle. We can't because we've got this boy with one leg and one arm. <laughs> Yep. And a rat tail. He's learning how to use his rat tail. <laughs> so cursed. I'm happy that he has like a dragonborn arm and a weird tail. I think it will lead to some very interesting um, interactions. Oh, for sure. With the world. Like Hubert's nothing. No, not Hubert. I mean Hubert too. But Pomper's nothing if but an interesting lad. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Man, I love Pomper. I love Pomper. He's a good boy. Oh, I would die for Pomper. Pomper? I shouldn't say I would die for Pomper because Pomper wouldn't, like, lead me into battle where I would die. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. So let's talk about what, uh... What happened at the end of this Blackpot Academy arc? Because they went and they, you know, got a prophecy that, that, that Pomper's, you know, a special boy. He's a special fuzzy dragon boy, um, of course. And, you know, they, they got new instruments and Pomper got special bard powers for like half a second. And then they went home with... A new party member, which is kind of insane. Yep. So, like, so, like, Palvin Palvin is Draco Malfoy. Kyle Glassman introduced this character as Birdcough's old arch nemesis, kind of, Palvin Squibb, who is Draco Malfoy. But is he Draco Malfoy? Malfoy. Because, like, obviously Kyle based him on Draco Malfoy, but he's a lot more... Oh, yeah, he looks like Draco Malfoy. He's a lot more unfortunate than Draco Malfoy. he's a big mix between Neville Longbottom and Draco Malfoy. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's an asshole and he sucks. (laughs) (laughs) But he's really sad. Oh, I... Except Neville Longbottom is not an asshole. Yeah, but Neville Longbottom kind of... Sucks at the beginning. At the beginning. Yeah, yeah I'll give you that. He doesn't have a wand that's not his. I know. Please. Anyways. Anyway. Uh, yeah, but listen, I really like Palvin. I me too, yeah, actually. Me too. I'm like, quite big, fond of my him. My big, big hope is that Kyle, like, actually, like, makes, like, rolls a character for him. 
Yeah. Yeah, I really and hope that He has that to too. play him in Billion until one of them dies. God, that's gonna I be so funny. I think it's crazy that he's gonna that he's gonna play two characters. Like that's, that's kind of really intense. Though. Like, there are other tabletop games where you can, like, play a second character, like, as a mechanic in the game that's built in, but D&D doesn't, you know, expect you to do that. (laughs) Kyle's an overachiever. It's very weird to me. But I love it. But the, like, a big, big chunk of me believes that Palpin's gonna die, like, in the first five minutes of the next episode. Oh, yeah, you know, probably. I hope not. I hope not, I, but I assume I so. Not, but, like, I can feel it. Yeah. It's Kyle. We, he, he, he doesn't have good luck with his characters. That's, that's true. <laughs> um, I just, I think it's very brave of Kyle to just be... To just do that, because he made a character, and that's what the character would do, and what the other characters would do, mm-hmm. and how they would react to each other, and it is something that would make sense. I'm interested to see how Teresa Villian react to this small boy who looks like Draco Malfoy, you know, joining their ranks. Another bard, kind of unprecedented to have more than one bard. Especially, like, a level one bard is kind of crazy. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I think I'm very impressed with Kyle if he keeps it up and it lasts more more than, like, two episodes. But I I don't know. We won't know. I want to say I believe in Kyle, but with Yogala and fame as his, his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His pre-existing characters before Villian, I just don't have a lot of faith. Yeah, there's that <laughs> as well. Especially because I feel like we haven't seen as much of Villian as we could have. Maybe as I would like. I would love to know, you know, what his deal is. And, you know, what his sort of... His church is actually like in a world without mm-hmm. gods. Because I do want to know that for lore reasons, but also for character reasons. I feel like we don't know enough about Villiand at this point. I really want to know more about Villiand. As someone who plays a, um, a a paladin who is, like, in terms of, like, um, morals and things, very similar to Villiand, but in terms of, like, how they go about, you know, enacting that, very different. I'm very, like, invested in the whole Villiand thing, and I want to see where Kyle goes with that. And... I'm also really terrified because, like, as you say, all of Carl's characters are... <laughs> I really hope Villian doesn't turn evil. I oh, would, I like, be mad. I would be angry. <laughs> because Kyle was like, I I'm he doing like... something good. I'm being someone good this time. And if that kind of goes down the drain, I will be sad. <laughs> I feel like he would, like, if he goes evil, he it would go evil in a way, like, he thinks he's doing the right yeah. thing. Yeah. I hate but. that. <laughs> Why can't he just be, like, a nice, wholesome person? Kyle, just play a nice character for once. <laughs> there is a difference between Kyle nice and good. It. Yeah. I wish there was more balance in nice that. character in 2018. But otherwise, I think, you know... The uh, 
the party composition is, you know, the best it's ever been. I think all of them bring something very important to the table. They have valuable clashes. I think maybe the Vili and Therese clash went on a little too long for my liking. Yeah. I never really like it when party members fight and, like, dislike each other. That's never been something I've been a huge fan of. I think it makes sense for the characters, but I just think narratively it it drags a little bit. Uh, yeah, so I think that's, that, that's, like, it makes yeah. sense for them to distrust and dislike each other, but at some point you do have to get over that in order to make the game go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. I'd like to see, you know, what the larger arc at hand is. Like, what the big story of this is. Because I think we haven't really gotten there. I don't think we have um, either. You know, I think Ben has some interesting things eight. in story that we've just not got to because we've taken a lot of detours. Which is, you know, classic for table talk. We won't get anywhere until episode 80. Uh, that's fine, because I like that kind of slow burn. Me too. Um, I enjoy it. That's just how things work sometimes. But I, you know, I'm interested to see what it is. I'm interested to see what the weird dark figure was. You know, what Teresa's patronage really is. The weird dark figure. What the deal is with gods. In 40 episodes, we're going to find out Dylan the Seagull is Teresa's. God, I I see it. I would hate that. I would too. But at the same time, that would be such a good, ridiculous twist. Yeah. What I like about Therese is that she's kind of the only one that's very serious. I think Pomper has touches of being very serious, but, like, Therese has a very serious, very, like, sad, but, you know, real kind of emotional arc and and a backstory that is very, like, that's serious that's deep shit (laughs) and i would love to see a little more leaning into that but i think sometimes with tabletop like leaning too hard into making it really serious can kind of sacrifice the exciting nature of it i think there were a couple episodes in in the last season where it was done really well where they delved into like serious backstory and like you know especially the the therese stuff that, you know, was very compelling and, and very interesting. And I think that's something, you know, some of the players really want is is some, some deep shit. Um, but sometimes, you know, sometimes it didn't work. Sometimes it was like, who cares about this? There's no stakes. So I think it's a very delicate balance between, you know, humor and serious stuff, especially with, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, a game played for fun. Uh, <laughs> but I, I hope there is a little more balance to it this time around. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. But I, w- I would love to see... I, I'm so invested in Teresa's story. I want I want that backstory so bad. Like, more than anything else in, in tabletop, like, I think. Like, it frustrates me when people are like, oh, Teresa's so boring and annoying. And Who she's says so, like, that? Mean and, like, kills all the characters and it's so stupid and, like, not fun. And it's like, it's not really supposed she's to like- be fun. Like, not every character has to be played for laughs, and I think it can, you know, it can result in, like, the most emotionally investing and satisfying moments is when that stuff pays off. I think there just hasn't been enough of an opportunity for it to have paid off. 
she's like the mo- like she's not the funniest character but she's the most morally interesting character at this point yeah because usually with kyle's characters no offense kyle i love you but like when you get a character from what you see is what you get and then here's therese or like yes you do see what you what you see is what you get but also here's my eldritch blast times whenever i need it against whatever enemy or like hmm how do i explain that better I feel like she like she reacts differently in situations where you would assume she's going to re- do one thing and she does the opposite i think she does have a lot of depth Especially yeah. regarding her, you know, her backstory and her upbringing. Yeah. I think something that Ian does wonderfully with Therese is, like, always thinks through what Therese's reaction to something would be and, like, seems to have yeah. reasoning for why Therese would do a thing. Whereas, like, and it's also wonderful, but, like, the way, say, Huber plays Pomper is just like, I'm going to do a thing. And it's like, that's because Huber wants to do that thing. It's, it doesn't always necessarily feel like necessarily he's thought it through as much. And sometimes... I think with Pomper, there has been a bit more thinking through. But I agree. He's very impulsive. Both the character and the player, which, you know, matches up very well. But no, I I just like to see like the way like the 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 different people play it like the different approaches to role play and things. I always find very interesting. Absolutely. I actually like think you know. Oh, never mind. You go, Kit. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what was like really weird and interesting when Plumper got a vision. Yes. And yes, I was hoping someone would bring this up. He saw a line and circles. And I'm... Listen, I love multiple timelines and multiple universes and anything I consume. I was like... And... Almost in tears. I'm not smart enough to pretend that I know exactly what's going no. on here. But... <laughs> if my favorite group of adventurers was just plopped into like another timeline of another universe how do we know like just bulbox the only thing that's changed absolutely like, what if in this timeline Teresa's parents are oh uh, shit no <laughs> what if in this timeline huber's family huber's family huber's uh, <laughs> family <laughs> and i what yeah. if i was hoping the you'd black nose is still intact and that shit because like if the Red dragons and shit never happened. Then, like, what about Calvide and the whole black rose and the? Well, I would, I would assume. There? I would assume Pomper's well, parents don't exist because there are no dragons. Either that like or Pomper's parents are just variables, like normal humans. Maybe Pomper's parents exist, but like in a different capacity. Maybe they're human. Yeah. Never know. I've been playing. I've been reading up on a lot of Bioshock. It's just been too much. I really loved that moment and it's it's another example of like you know the dm playing off the players wants and needs like Mm -hmm. huber was like I kind of want like a vision of this if I was so close I would I I hope I get you know some kind of substance out of this uh you know connected to the main Mm storyline and Ben was like you know what that makes sense let's do that let's make something up let's you know make it impactful for you and I really appreciated that. 
I really want to know because like they met God and they killed God. Who is Pumper talking to? Yeah, what's what's Where happening? Where did get this vision from? Uh, obviously, there's like the hooded figure. And but is, is there more you than know, that? You have to ask, like, where does Villian get his powers? Because Paladins like, and, and Clarence where does get, powers. get his powers. They get powers from gods. That's the only place they get powers. You mm-hmm. know, there's, you know, wizards get it from studying and sorcerers get it from their bloodlines. But clerics and paladins, it's like that directly has to come from a god. That's how it works. So it's interesting. There has to be something. Some higher power. But we'll never know. We will know. At one point. It's the father. We know. It would be funny if, like, Therese and Villiand were, you know, their patrons were the same god. Oh, that would be brilliant. If there's just I would one, love that so much. But just, like, in different styles. Yeah. Like, and... Oh, Villian is busy telling Therese Villian that just be like, her powers oh, are evil and they're coming from the same source. Magic. That would be magical. Oh. That would be really funny. And really interesting, actually. It what if in this in, timeline, yeah. like, Therese's patron, after, like, is, like, Therese herself, but after, like, years and years of, like, huh. time jumping, timeline jumping around and... Holy shit. I don't know if we can Shit. get into time travel. It might be too complicated. I mean, they killed God. They can do anything. <laughs> I guess. You know what? I am just glad that they went universes instead of planet jumping. Oh, God. I don't know if I could I... handle another space arc. <laughs> I mean, as much as I adored that, it was so ridiculous. Yeah. See, like, I love I that. Like I think universes are more grounded. Yeah. And planes. I mean, and I mean, that makes I more sense. I feel like it's not more grounded because it's like there's so much shit going on. Whereas, like, if you're just jumping planets, you're still, like, in the same, like, timeline. And I guess. It's still one straight line instead of, like, four different circles with, like, everything and different visions of I different people. I guess it, it makes more sense to me because that's kind of in Dungeons and Dragons lore is the idea of multiple planes and multiple universes Mm -hmm. and the fact that magic is a little better at kind of helping you warp those things you know you've got like uh, that new ranger that kind of does planar shifts as their thing like that's a whole thing that they do plane strider isn't it yeah yeah that um, so cool i want to play one of those i guess that makes more sense to me in in the lore of D D in general but you know i you know, I wouldn't be mad about the planets again, probably. I think they could make it make a little more sense. But there's so much going on in the, in the world by itself that I don't know if we need it. I don't think we do. I think I think the world alone is complicated enough. It's enough. I've got a very important lore question for both of you. Uh-huh. Are you guys a sleepy sloth or a ragey gator? I'm a sleepy I'm a ragey sloth. Gator. I'm sleepy sloth till I die. What was the other one? There was a third one in the last episode. I don't think there was a third one. I mean, I made my own, but... There was a third one. I don't remember. I can't remember what it was. Something. Something. Yeah. I I don't remember But I'm not that. I'm definitely a raging gator. I'm sleepy sloth till I die. It's the most Hufflepuff house, and I'm an atrocious Hufflepuff. I'm sleepy sloth. I was literally sleeping when we started this Skype call. Yeah, you so. were. <laughs> Tit, you're the fuzzy sloth. 
I think we're gonna wrap up now. You've cool. got a DVD to go yeah. to. Today. I do. I'm very excited. Uh, Many dramatic things are gonna happen. We're probably all gonna die. It'll be fun. Great. We, we probably Please don't won't. Die. We might. I think I might be immortal. I don't know if I can die. Okay. <laughs> okay. This has been Table Talk Explicates. I definitely almost said the name wrong right then. It's. Uh, anyway, uh, this is a fan cast for Easy Allies' Tabletop Escapades, a, a Dungeons & Dragons show that they run uh, DM'd by Ben Moore. And uh, if you want to help support the Allies, you can go to patreon.com slash easyallies. Uh, they just recently changed a lot of uh, their pledges and a lot of their goals and revamped everything. So it's it's very, you know, simple to understand. And, you know, just giving a buck would really help them out. Just, uh, just, just saying. Uh, or you can know you, you can subscribe to them on YouTube or follow them on Twitter, whatever. All that aside, uh, I've been Noah Rain. You can follow me on Twitter at Noah Rain, R A Y N E. I've been Faye. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Goldboy Two, all letters, uh, which is a tabletop reference because I'm a big nerd. <laughs> I'm Kit L Snow, and before I promote myself i want to shout out uh this guy named kevin who did the uh tabletop escapades battle theme oh my god it's amazing to, to the community showcase uh he can find you can find me at kevin has 99 the numbers 99 lives on twitter where he's linked tabletop escapades battle theme it's literally amazing it is I wonderful i want it to play in my head it. all the time <laughs> It makes me feel like I'm fighting, like, the ultimate boss of a Final Fantasy game. But yeah, that's great. I'm Kit L. Snow. You can find me at Kit L. Snow. And this has been fun. And this has been an episode of Table Talk Explicates. After, you know, a long break. <laughs> Might be another long break. Never know uh, what we're going to be up to and, and what the tabletop characters are going to be up to as well so we're all very unsurprised yeah. yeah sneak attack, sneak attack. <laughs> uh thank well, you for listening D8. if you you know listen through this whole thing uh <laughs> <laughs> we, anyway thank you for listening stay breezy 